Welcome to Here Come the Sequels, a full spoiler podcast where we take a look at popular film franchises one movie at a time. I'm Tyler. And I'm just like Mahershala's legs in this movie. Gone, but not forgotten. At least until they make the prequel series. I mean, I'm Alex. There's a tiger woman in this film. I'm Britain. And I'm still processing it. <laughs> D plus. Good night, everybody. <laughs> strangely ominous. She, um, there's a tiger. But it's a but, but woman. <laughs> but like a tiger one of them? Mm-hmm. In the movie that you know, I one saw of, with one my of, eyes. One of them women. <laughs> that I one, heard so much them, about. Them their woman, uh, but also a tiger. I and then Natalie Dormer's like, oh hey tigress, like it's nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I didn't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> well, the movie that has a tiger woman is the Hunger Ga- Hunger Games Mocking Jay Part Two. I almost said one. It's part two. <laughs> part one features no tiger woman. Alex, what are the things? Do do say numbers. The Hunger Games. It's the last one. All right, it's the last one. <laughs> it's it's so Hallows difficult. Part it's three. Difficult. <laughs> Directed by Francis Lawrence from 2015. It has a 69% critic score. Let that hang. Moving on. And it has a... Nice! There's a tiger woman in the movie. I can't express to you the damage it did to my brain that I'm not even recognizing my favorite number. The hilarious Britain, sex number. Britain, you've you've watched Cats. Like, I, I don't... Twice. I'm, 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 I'm not sure I understand why this is having so much more of an impact. Is it when because you, The Hunger Games was real? Here's the... No, this is... Yes. <laughs> This is exactly the the metaphor. If you go to the Kids' Choice Awards, you know someone's getting slimed. So you come and prepare <laughs> for the slime. <laughs> you walk in there and you're like, slime me up, daddy-o. I know why I'm here. Let's get all the... Kevin, Kevin Costner's up there. <laughs> Kevin Costner's up there accepting his Kids' Choice Award for the bodyguard or whatever. Tin cup. And then he's getting slimed. If you're at the Oscars... You don't you're, you you don't have a tarp. You don't have your poncho. You're not ready yet for anything. Britain, but then I, there I, comes Max Keeble's big move, winning for sound mixing, and then he gets slimed. I, you I, know, you're shocked. Britain, I knew where you're going with that, and my immediate image was the 2016 Oscars. Uh, they say <laughs> whoever's announcing is like, wait, actually, uh, you know, Moonlight won, and then just slime. <laughs> Everyone's still very confused. It very much was not intentional. Tons of mistakes. <laughs> just slime. And the producer from Moonlight's like, no, I would be very honored to give this slime to my friends from Moonlight. <laughs> and they're just like having a big slime party. Jimmy Kimmel just slips off stage as the credits, or as the it cuts to the, the roll away or the cutaway. They play the music. Oh my god. <laughs> so anyway. And a 66% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, yeah, I think that, that set the tone for, for the mood we're in right now. For this bleak and depressing end to this series, we're all just, we're all on a, a chipper, 
slightly off the wall mood. <laughs> mm. mm-hmm. So, <laughs> who wants to do a best and worst thing? I actually I won't say anything because I don't know how y'all feel about the movie. But I'll let you go like- first. Yeah, please. Um, I probably watched. I did not watch this recently i I watched this like a day or two after we recorded the last episode so i Mm -hmm. went ahead and knocked it out so i might be a little fuzzy on a lot of the details as opposed to as opposed to the two of you um my best and worst things are kind of related um i think ultimately i like this slightly more than part one or yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) no seriously for a second i was like wait is it part one or part two that i'm comparing this to (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah I, I i do like it slightly more than part one um but it's still got a number of issues but you know we, we can certainly get into that um i think overall my my worst thing i'll start there is that it, it's got the opposite problem that part one has i think it's too fast paced hmm. um i think the movie is trying to move at such a clip to get to the finish line that it actually <sighs> It's not like things are missing, but I feel like a lot of stuff just feels rushed, like relationship stuff gets rushed. And particularly when we get to the end and they're trying to wrap up everything. And I wasn't sure if this was supposed to be like a subversion of like, oh, with most like endings to film series or trilogies or whatever, you try and have your send offs of all your characters and you want to have it be cathartic and whatnot. And this movie just kind of puts its foot down and says, nope, we're not doing any of that. <laughs> um, there's like one scene where she's talking with everyone and then that's that's basically it. Um, and even then, like a major event happens after that that kind of disrupts everything. Um, but we can get into more of the details. But uh, yeah, I feel like it was too fast-paced and the you know, with the first one being too slowly paced, I felt like... This basically cements my belief that they should have just combined both films, cut out a bunch of stuff from part one, and then, uh, you know, flush out some stuff in this. Um, And I think you could have made like a three, maybe three and a half hour movie and called it a day. Uh, So that's my worst thing. Uh, My best thing is going to be the chase sequence uh, shortly after Mahershala and a couple of the other folks on the team get killed. I think it's just kind of like a breakneck chase of just people getting picked off left and right. And it's very hectic and crazy. And it's it's different from the action that we've seen, um, at least in the first two films, because they're stuck in a sewer. And it's like a very mm-hmm. enclosed space. It's very claustrophobic. And I think the special effects on the, the mutts is significantly better. Yeah. Just going back to what we had at the end of the first one, it's definitely a vast improvement over that. Um and I just thought that was, you know, a really unique uh, situation. And there's, it, it's, it's like once you think that they're safe and they're out of harm's way, oh, then Snow's soldiers show up to shoot them. And there's like a big trap that they have to run away from. Like all of that, like it, it was just like a never ending sequence. Um, and it was super intense. And that was, that was probably the most that I enjoyed the movie. It was during that that section of about like, I don't know, it felt like 15 or 20 minutes just of like nonstop action. Um, and I ultimately do like the movie more than I don't. Um, but I, I kind of have more of a flat feeling for this, um, which is similar to how I feel about the first one. So yeah, I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that. No, that, that, that goes right into mine. I, uh, watched this last night and I, I know I didn't absorb it as properly as I probably should have. I was 
I was tired. I, you know, I just wasn't paying as much of it. I still watch it all in one sitting and I got it. But I'm, this is a movie that I, because I, I already know I'm going to rewatch this series at some point and I, I will probably be able to absorb it better the second time around. But um, similarly, I also liked it more than I don't, but it, it was a flatter feeling. My worst thing I'm going to say is is kind of what you were saying, Alex, that towards the end, perfunctory is the word that kept coming up for me that I felt like I don't necessarily know. I don't know what my ideal cut of this and the first one is. I don't know if I want one movie or if I want, I, I don't really, <clears throat> haven't thought about it that much, but I wanted this one. I, I feel like a, a lot of that stuff at the end, I just need it to be a little richer. I don't necessarily yeah. need more <clears throat> events to happen, but there are a lot of things that I was like, oh, that's a big deal that like Paler became the president. Mm-hmm. And I wanted more than just a little TV thing of her yeah. taking her oath. Like I kind of wanted us to see her, her victory or her give like a speech about the future of Pan Am or something. And, um, I understand keeping the focus on Katniss, but like, I like that the story is about, well, this old white man made everything terrible. This old white woman wasn't going to make it much better. This black woman is going to actually be the good, the good president. And I wanted, and I, I don't think they were necessarily trying to do a social commentary with that, sure. though they you know, clearly weren't avoiding one, but that's such a cool moment. And I liked that character. I wanted to get a little more of, of what that felt like. And really for me, the big one was prim, you know, her, her mm-hmm. death was framed in such a way that I thought, oh, so this is like a plan. This is like a big fake out. And like, you know, Katniss is going to kill Coin, but then Prim's going to do something. Prim's going to show up and she'll be okay. Because, again, I don't want to graphically see her get ripped apart or something. <laughs> but it's I wasn't 100% sure that she had died, that that's what had happened. And then we just kind of kept going with the movie and... Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I'm reading from Jennifer Lawrence's performance that she's shut down after the loss of her sister. That's not as much in the text that I'm getting, but I'm getting it from her. And then, of course, she has that that scene where she breaks down at the cat, which was really well performed as Jennifer mm-hmm. Lawrence has continued to be the anchor for this thing. Um, but I, I just feel like the movie could have... I, I feel like if it were going for what you mentioned, Alex, a subversion of like, we're just gonna, it's just, we're just gonna end it. Like, we're not gonna do the, you know, seven farewells or whatever. It wouldn't have, I, I think I would have still been surprised, but I would have realized, oh, there was a confidence to it. And there was a, nope, we got it. But then we kept kind of dancing with it a little bit. And we right. get her little send off with Effie and, and everything. But um, I, I didn't mind it in the gauntlet in the sewers, because that I think was very, intentional that's like this is chaos and this we are showing you how much danger they're in mitchell's down the leagues are down phoenix down and he gets like a heroic yeah. death and then the uh, the other guy gets like torched by that those terrifying lights you know uh west chatham got got killed somehow all of that felt like oh this is just insanity um there people are just getting ripped away but after that, when we get to that that last bit of the movie, I thought, okay, I need it to be a little more, not slow, but just let let everything breathe a little bit more. And like, let's really, like, I've really come to care about these characters. I don't want to feel this ending, whatever that ends up meaning. My best thing is, it's kind of a toss up between, 
I, I, I love Philip Timur Hoffman, <laughs> and I thought they handled that really mm-hmm. nicely, and we'll obviously get into that. But I specifically, I actually think my best thing is going to be something for the movie overall, which is the human-on-human human, uh, violence is never shot as a cool action sequence. And that really came to me. I mean, maybe a little bit in the second one, but like we, I talked in the first uh, episode about the first movie, how it's all violence. It's not shot to be cool. It's shot to be scary and bleak. And I was really impressed in this movie towards the beginning when um, they're like, okay, we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to uh, attack the Capitol with our airplanes, our airplanes, our airships or whatever, and that'll flush them out somehow. I wasn't 100% clear on the on the plan. But Katniss was like, I don't think this is a good idea. We're still killing people, and that's not what we should be doing. And then they carry out the plan. And during that whole plan, it's it's literally happening in the background. We see these little explosions, and we hear it. But the focus is on Katniss having this conversation with Gail, who is more and more showing that he's going to the dark side somewhat. Not literally, but he's talking about, like, people die in war. They've still supported the capital, even if they didn't mean to. Like, this is their enemies. It's killing us a personal. And it was, again, this nice exchange of um, philosophies between the characters without them being, like, too overt about it, just expressing themselves like people would. And I really liked that that whole – so many movies would have had that that plan – be an action sequence and we would have shown people running or we would have shown the explosions close up, but it was all in the background and the focus was on Katniss disapproving of it. And then people start cheering and that's clearly supposed to be a sad, like a bad thing that they're cheering. And it just kind of put in perspective, like these movies largely do not view violence as cool and they view it as very scary and very bleak. The, the closest we get to that is when they're fighting the in the sewers when they're fighting the 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 mutts or whatever they are that Alex and I were talking for the podcast. It was very Blade Two. It was very Guillermo del Toro, mm. um, which I was fine with because at that point you're like they're not people. They're just like these weird little goblin things. So we can have a few cool shots of Katniss and uh, uh, Finnick fighting them off, but ultimately this is supposed to be scary. Um, yeah. which is something I really appreciate about this um that in this revolution we're not we're not glorifying violence against oppression we're glorifying standing up to oppression which I thought was a is a, is a cool way to take a franchise that you could so easily just turn into just a bunch of action and not really thinking about the consequences of that for your for for the story and the themes and the audience and everything um that's me uh, I think that leads well into my worst thing. Um, I had several pretty big problems with the movie that we'll talk about. Um, the biggest one to me, though, which you both kind of touched on or talked around, uh, is the the revolution of it all and, and what they do with uh, my beautiful politics from the first one. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like this movie really swings the the major players of the the rebellion kind of out of left field swings them into um being almost like cartoonishly incompetent and or uh evil um <laughs> in a way that's like oh the the first movie was there are all these people with different ideas about how to overthrow this regime um but they're coming together because they know it has to be done 
some way. And and I feel like this one, I, I wish I had read the books before talking about these because I reread the books because I would really like to know how much it works for me in the book versus the movies, because I think right. the way that develops and again, talking about the ending being high rushed here, I think it just doesn't is not set up well enough to make us believe. I mean, really, what it comes down to is President Coin. Yeah. Uh, ultimately flips and is like yeah uh we're gonna start another hunger games yeah (laughs) and um also i blew up a bunch of children because we were storming the capitol and had almost taken the capitol and we're almost to president snow's mansion but we needed to have one more pr thing even though you know we we were clearly like overwhelming their forces i don't i don't really know yeah like none of that worked for me um in terms of the fact that they they blow up a bunch of civilians and then including brim and then that's that was just supposed to be like a pr stunt by the rebellion to make people hate snow more even though like they had already won basically yeah um the struggle none of the state the justification in the movie i can't even remember snow says that oh it was a brilliant strategy because uh she was able to make my peacekeepers stand down because they all were like oh my gosh the capital blew up a bunch of kids yeah but like like, turn my own people against me yeah but it it, i just don't think there's i mean i i don't like that that in general as a turn for coin i think it it works even less in the movie because the way it's set up where it's like they, they pretty much won yeah. Why are you? Why are you? It, why is this necessary? It felt kind of like how I know a lot of people felt about Daenerys in the latter parts mm-hmm. of Game of Thrones. We, I we talked have a lot many about thoughts this. about this and Game of Thrones that we'll sure. talk about. <laughs> well, and we we've talked at length about how I certainly didn't feel that way necessarily about Daenerys in the show, but I I know that a lot of people did feel like it was this sort of sudden heel turn. And I got that a little bit from Coin in this because I talked about in the, in the previous episode about how I liked that she wasn't a perfect leader, but I didn't mean I liked that she was potentially evil. <laughs> yeah. And then the, it's just this weird like, wait, 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 hang on. This is hard for me to accept. Yeah. She shows some coldness, I don't think. And yeah. I don't I don't want to be like Game of Thrones did that way better because I do think Game of Thrones did it way better. But Game of Thrones had eight seasons and I think that gives them a lot more time to play around with that character. Sure. Um, But... Yeah, uh, I feel like the coin twist, coin flip, I guess, really just comes out of nowhere. I assume, I, I wonder if that's supposed to be a thing that Suzanne Collins did. Um. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I definitely wondered if, if I read the book, would all everything I just said not be an issue? Because in a um, book, you can suggest stuff. Yeah, and so that just really bothered me. I think it, it, it becomes so ham-fisted. I love the idea of like, Katniss having to face somebody who is trying to reinstate the Hunger Games, like being on the other side and being in a position of power and facing something like that. I think that's neat. I think in the movie it just comes so out of nowhere and is so ham-fisted and not... Yeah. It just doesn't line up with what we've seen so far. That is just yeah. like, wait, why is this character a just evil lady all of a sudden? Yeah, And then Katniss um, immediately goes, yes, ah, I will vote. And then at the execution, I will kill her instead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like... Wait, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I appreciate you bringing that up, Tyler. I I had not even considered that. Like, I, I think just because of the plot points that I know happen in the story, because I've read mm-hmm. I've, I've read the book and, and watched the movie before. Um, yeah, I didn't that didn't even phase me in terms of like, 
Well, they're, it's not like they, they don't even look like they have many peacekeepers left. Like, it's not like there's a whole <laughs> army behind the fence. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know. I yeah, that's not, some that's not presented super well. Um, it's real weird. Uh, yeah. But, um, really my problems start actually with the Gale stuff at the beginning. Because I think right away he also, they really drive up like him being like, What's wrong, killing civilians? Yeah, it's war, man. You do some war crimes. That's what. That's what you know. It's yeah. fine. Um, he really steers into that very quickly, uh, and doesn't really give good. Like, it's not even really presented that his argument is, oh well, you know, some people will die, but the you know it'll be good for the rest of the people living in this 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 region. Like, you sure, know, sure. The, a few people will die, so that many will you know thrive or whatever. Like, it's not even really that. It's just like ah. Yeah, we're, we're trying. It's war. We're fighting, man. Yeah, you know, sometimes to- you kill a few people. It's you fine. Know, yeah, kill it, some guys. You know, it, it's like they knew where they wanted that character to end up, and the, I mean, again, it's the Daenerys, uh, the stigma against that of, mm-hmm. of like they knew where they wanted him to end up, so they just decided that he felt that way now. Which like, or again, maybe if if he had even said something like, "Ever since what they did in District Twelve, I just can't, fa- I just yeah. can't stomach the idea. Like, I have to get my revenge or something." It's like. Okay, that's simple, but at the same time, I I, I get that logic for mm-hmm. that character. Yeah, I, just, I did just, try and I did try and track while we were watching the previous movies um, to see if they had you know kind of thread the needle in terms of like dialogue and foreshadowing. Um, and I think there were like maybe one or two spots, but there wasn't a whole sure. lot. It does it does feel like you know the screenwriters get to this one, they're like, oh, this is the one where we flip, right? Like, oh, okay. Yeah. It we gotta also get this weird in. because then Gale apparently is, becomes a captain in District Two in the epilogue, and I'm like, first of all, we don't see him. Like we all, <laughs> we all understand why Katniss isn't with him, but like that feels yeah. weird that he that the movie's like he may have been part of how Prim died and he got a promotion, so whatever. <laughs> yeah, it not it's not weird in terms of that being unrealistic or that being a thing no, you can't certainly. explore but it doesn't explore it it just is like eh. right it just feels like do you do you not realize the ramifications of that thing that you made happen yeah. um yeah uh and yeah it it frustrates me because it feels like there is so many and again i i think the book is i have to imagine it probably reads better and probably seeds like coin turning a little more um I still don't love it because I still think it kind of flips the the script in terms of us following a rebellion and seeing how a rebellion forms and how a revolution can take down, uh, you know, an oppressor uh, to being like, but also revolution is bad still because the people who win the re- lead the revolution will, you know, always be bad. I don't know. It, it's a weird muddling of what I thought was a clear theme in the first one yeah the first part um well the first but, part is all about messaging and propaganda and the second one is like but also blowing stuff up <laughs> yeah a lot more physical violence yeah um but i think there's more interesting ways they could have handled a, a storyline like that um whether i mean i feel like it would be really interesting if they tried to do an election and like a lot of the capital people made a campaign happen for snow like they tried mm. to get to, you know they, oh, they like yeah. being under snow like that's a way you could take this you could have it be like 
people are trying to get Katniss to lead. They they reference that a little bit that, oh, Coin wants Katniss dead because then she might back somebody else in an election. Um, which is another thing they make Coin do is say, like, oh, yeah, we're not going to have democratic elections because yeah. I am the president now. <laughs> like, it's 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 very I'm going to cut a, or the screenwriters or maybe even Suzanne Collins are going to cut a very hard line of Coin is now evil and literally has just turned into snow. Uh, and I don't know. There, there's just not nearly as much nuance in this one and the way that they handle the aftermath of that uh, compared to in the last one. It, it's such a weird shock to me. Yeah. If I may present the counter argument, sure. because I actually like coin uh, flipping and going bad and then Katniss ultimately killing her um, because I think ultimately what the movies or the stories have been about is not necessarily the power of revolutions. It's more about power and who has power. Um, So the idea that this lady who's basically just been building up a military arsenal for all of these years finally gets ultimate power. And the first thing she does is declare herself Supreme leader. I like that. I, 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 that's a very cynical take, but I like that. And I like that how Katniss like immediately disrupts that. Um, And I think that goes to the, the, you know, having no catharsis really at the end of the movie. Um, And I, I, you know, Tyler, I totally get why that doesn't work for you. Uh, And it kind of muddles the the waters in terms of thematically what it's going for. But I I think that I like that interesting gray area that it creates, even though, you know, like I said, more, more stuff would have helped uh, to make it less uh, coin flippy. (laughs) And I, and I think it goes back to, also the structure of these two movies because again so much of this is coming from how much i love that first part and how much i feel like that really drives home those ideas and then how much this one feels like a different thing um and it's just kind of a yeah i i would have i would have appreciated it more if the first one had started to guide us down that path and had more of katniss being like i don't know if i like this lady and yeah yeah you know kind of they they do try and set some stuff up, but it, it once again to your point, Tyler, it's just not explored. Like the fact that they they basically turn a Katniss's stunt to sneak aboard a ship and go and try <laughs> and assassinate Snow on her own. They turn that into a big uh, promotional thing. Yeah. Oh, let's send her her whole specialized team and the camera crew and everything, and we'll turn it into a thing. Um, but then they send Peta, and it's very briefly yeah. talked about of like. So is Coin trying to kill her by sending yeah. Peta in there, and then it's just dropped, like yeah. it's not addressed again. Well, and it's like and it, that's that's the one thing you really could have expanded on in terms of Katniss's growing paranoia as she continues on this mission yes. of like, oh, do these people actually have my back, or do they want to kill me? Well, and part of that abruptness, which I I think is a good thing and a bad thing, is that Boggs Marshalla is really the one who's like, I I have this theory. Katniss, right. I'm telling you about this, and then he dies. Yeah. But but then that she doesn't then carry that paranoia from there. That she's not like, oh, Box told me this thing. I don't know if I should be listening. I don't know. That that maybe Jennifer Lawrence was playing it internally, but there there wasn't enough textually for us. Because yeah. I I thought that conversation was really good between her and Mahershala, where he was like. I have a lot of doubts about this. And so that's why I'm going to take care of you and make sure you make it out alive. And I was like, oh, great. He's going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I have and the twins are going to die because they um, don't, they're not famous. Oh God, here we go. They, they don't have any lines. They're gone. <laughs> <laughs> One of them said, had a line. Kind of. Um, Could have fooled me. Uh, you mentioned <laughs> Was it? Ah! 
<laughs> you mentioned Jennifer Lawrence's performance. I will say, uh, I she is my best thing. Yeah. Um, I think she really brings this home, brings a lot of emotion to it, and and makes sells a lot of the things that I was frustrated by because it is it is enjoyable to watch what she is doing through that last yeah. thirty minutes, twenty minutes. Um, even if there's things around her happening that I don't think are the right idea. Right. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about, cause you mentioned, uh, or yeah, you mentioned, um, Boggs, uh, having a nice conversation and then dying immediately. Uh, we've talked about this before with Game of Thrones uh in in multiple scenarios we've talked about this with walking dead there is a real art to having disposable uh side characters yeah. yeah and i don't think this movie is successful in that regard uh and the reason i feel that way is because basically they set up uh that we've got this we've got like five <laughs> we've got five nameless they give them names they give yeah. them skills they don't use them they die it's fine we've yeah. got five nameless people basically who we can use as fodder for right. when things get killed and that already kind of bothers me because um i get frustrated in these kind of situations i i talked about this with uh the the journey beyond the wall in season seven the mm. game of thrones yeah um yeah. when they have these random side characters that get killed off and you don't know who got killed there. And for a second, you're like, was that, who was that? Did I like that person? Was that the hound? Oh my gosh. And then it's like, no, that was, I have no idea who that was. I never, right. there was no build up for them to be important. That happens to all those random side characters. Um, also, uh, is it Lieutenant Jackson? Something like that. Whoever, um, whoever the second in command. Yeah. Michelle lady Forbes. Is. Yeah. Um, I don't know what happens to her. She dies at some point. They set up a very uh, overdone uh, horror trope of, oh, she's she doesn't go through the little crawl space that everyone else goes around because she needs to stand around with the light and look down the yeah, hallway yeah, yeah, and yeah, stuff. Right, right. And then right as she turns, she thinks there's something else behind her. And then, oh, no, there's a mutt. Start the oh, action scene. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. that was not um, a great start to probably the best sequence in the film but <laughs> yeah and then we have <laughs> but part of the problem with all these random characters that we barely know getting killed off is also at some point um foggy from daredevil his his brother gets killed off and i don't know when it happened i don't know yeah, which one yeah. it was because i remember because he, uh, he was again right i think he might have been the one who got like crystallized by mm. the weird lights in no the that was that was another guy a okay. or something okay. yeah because because uh, Chatham was already movie. gone, or Castor was already yeah Castor and Pollux because they're named after Helen of Troy's nephews yes. I think yes Castor um, was already gone and yeah yeah uh, and so that was another part of that problem is like if you're gonna have a named character die when you're also killing off random side characters you don't matter make sure that we know who that is and that right. it's impactful um, also Finnick. <laughs> Uh, and this is where I would say the Walking Dead side of it comes in, that the Walking Dead is very infamous for uh, trying to pull your heartstrings right before they kill a character. Yeah. Um, Finnick has a wedding <laughs> right before right. he goes on this journey. It's like, oh, okay, well, he's he's going to die, isn't he? Uh, I did say so while I was happens. watching that, I was like, you know it's the future because they're doing strange folk dancing. <laughs> <laughs> they're doing kind of 
medieval um, type ritualistic dance. Sure. Yeah, uh, I, I wasn't. And then, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, ultimately, Katniss, Peta, Gale, uh, Cressida, and Pollux all survive. And it's like, oh, these are the five characters we have the most investment in outside of Mahershala Ali. Um, and so it's like, meh. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think that that, and and part of it is knowing, uh, like, you know, obviously, if I didn't, if I was going into this movie for the first time, I wouldn't have known for sure that, like, oh, Gale could have died at some point in that, and that sure. could have been big. Um, but they don't, <laughs> and yeah. especially knowing this on a rewatch, it made it kind of uh, 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 perfunctory, I guess, yeah. is, uh, to use the word you used earlier. Um, it was just a little bit like <clears throat> it was hard for me to really get into it. I think a lot of the scenes in that chase are very well done. Sure. Um, <clears throat> there's the sewer chase. I, I really like a lot of the traps they have set up uh, throughout the capital to kill them with the like flamethrowers and turrets going off and bombs and mines. And, and the Prometheus black goo. The, obviously the Prometheus yeah. goo. It's very good. And, and it does this super weird thing where it like stabs whoever falls yeah. into it and like, the, like they get propelled strings up. them up. It, yeah. It's, it's really weird. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of good stuff in there. I, to get to a larger point of what all that did for me as I was watching the movie, uh, we got to the hour and 20 minute mark in the film, which I think is almost exactly where I got in Godzilla 98, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and check the time, uh, and was like, Oh God, it feels like we're almost at the end what else happens in this movie because <laughs> <laughs> this has gone on for a while. Um, and I had forgotten a lot of the coin stuff um, before. So that right. helped once I realized that I was like, okay, I do know that there is more to explore here. Um, but especially at that point, I was really feeling like you could cut a lot of it. I think if you were trying to do a one, a single movie, um, I think uh, upon reflection, I feel like it's all, pretty messy because i don't know if there's a way to to do a one hour or not one hour a one movie cut of these two films yeah that makes it makes the revolution stuff work basically and and makes that kind of carry through in such a way that it's it's set up and it you know there's a through line there and there's and it's trying to do something with that like kind of alex to your point about the fact that it does it that does have a different cynical worldview uh when they make that twist happen with coin um but it, i don't think it's built up enough to where that's the takeaway i feel like especially in the movie the way it comes across is just uh twist this lady's bad too and yeah. it doesn't feel like it's it's supposed to be part of any of the politics stuff so much as just like i don't know <laughs> we we're we're doing something else weird here Maybe it's just me reading the books, but I, I sure I I picked up on a lot more thematic stuff. I guess it it didn't it didn't feel as flippant to me. Um, if it, it felt like it was actually built up, and I I think part of the problem is just Julianne Moore's barely in this movie. Yes, and I know part a lot of this is probably undercut by they only have so much footage to work with with Philip Seymour Hoffman, and they are already sure. shot only so much stuff with him. Um, and I think overall they they handled that oh, yeah. to your point i think they handle that fairly well there's only one scene where they kind of digitally manipulate him and you can kind of tell but it's fine yeah that's um, fine uh but yeah julianne moore's kind of barely in the movie and tyler i'm almost wondering in terms of like trimming it down or getting it you know to go faster 
I wonder if you just set it up where Katniss doesn't have to sneak in and then just automatically get a team. Because I remember all this stuff being more spread out. She could just go to Coin and say, I want to go on the mission to kill Snow. And then Coin's immediately like, sure, that sounds good. And Katniss is like, wait, what? (laughs) And then then that can start the paranoia going of like, she was super fast in in approving my my request to go kill Snow. Maybe she has a conversation with Hamish and Hamish is telling her that it's like, I don't know, it seems like she's got an ulterior motive. Yeah, and then Peta gets sent in there like like five minutes later, like he does in the movie, and that's kind of weird. And he goes, "What is this? Some kind of Suicide Squad?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I um, I, I, I don't know. I'm definitely gonna re- read the books before I rewatch the movies, but um, yeah, I'll be interested to see about all that because the I had accidentally spoiled myself on Paler becoming the president, hmm. but I didn't know how that happened. I didn't know that whether coin got killed somewhere else or I, I didn't know how that came about. And so it was once coin started to, rev- we started to not like coin and she was suggesting doing a hunger games and all that stuff that I was like, Oh, so Katniss is going to kill her <laughs> probably. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, on the Philip Seymour Hoffman thing, I think they had shot all but like two scenes with him. Like most of w- w- was already there. And I found it kind of in a meta way, kind of powerful that like, someone is reading a goodbye letter from him in the movie. And I don't know if he and Woody Harrelson like ever acted together. It makes sense for Hamish to do it. You know, I I don't know if there would be like a person. I know he and Julianne Moore were in a few movies together, um, or at least one other one. So like, I I don't know if it was something where they're like, oh, this makes sense for Hamish. And also he and Woody Harrelson were friends. So like Woody will you know do this for him but regardless like i got my i was getting kind of tight in the throat when he was thinking about like i wish i could say goodbye in person and all this stuff and i was like oh my god and it really hit me during some of the earlier scenes in the movie watching him because again he's so good he's just really really good in this and being like like knowing that there was this other stuff going on off camera with him that would end up taking him away that was just like Oh boy, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. It's it's just it's, yeah. it's 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 a it's yeah. It was it was quite something. But I it, it's it's interesting to it's a hard thing to review movies in terms of how they handle situations like that because they're all in such different positions, you know. And and we we criticize Rise of Skywalker for it, and I think rightfully so. And we don't we didn't criticize them for not having more footage of Carrie Fisher. Criticize them for being kind of tasteless in how they use that footage. Yeah, yeah, and and that it and and you know if it affects like with Paul Walker in Furious Seven, that didn't bother me. It's like yeah, some, sometimes it's obviously not him. That's fine. Like we all know why you got a free pass. You did the best you could with what was surely an extremely emotionally difficult mm-hmm. thing for everybody on that crew. So like, I think they handled that as best as they could. And this movie, I think they just handled it really well because they had so much to work with already. And they were like, it's going to be weird that Plutarch doesn't say goodbye himself and there's going to be an odd absence of him. But like it all ultimately. Well, they come up with a good in-story reason as to why he's not in the rest of the movie. Like simply saying in the letter, I can't be seen anywhere near you. I'm trying to ups you know jumpstart this new government i i can't be seen next to the person who just killed our last leader (laughs) right exactly and so i think this movie was in a more fortunate position with him 
um, or with 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 what they already had. So, uh, but I still think they handled it really well, and and it is you know lovely <laughs> that 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 letter scene. I uh, I also think the last time we see him, there, there's a little TV shot of him yeah. that almost you can't really tell he's in it <laughs> sure. of of Paler getting sworn in. Um, the last time we really see him, he's looking down at Katniss uh, when she shoots a coin yeah, and gives this really great kind of knowing smile mm-hmm. of like, not, not quite smile, but like this expression of like, fair enough. Yeah. You know, like kind of a, a nod of approval almost. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I, and, and that's good in these. last shot. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, the moments that they digitally, mm-hmm. uh, you know, manipulated the footage for that. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, and and it looked like his hair was a bit of a different color, but like it still it still totally worked. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I I still bought it. Yeah, um, yeah. I it it just felt it's like all I I I know that with Rise of Skywalker there was talk of like, well, Rose wasn't in it very much because so much of her story was gonna be with Leia and stuff like that. I do, I don't know if having uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman on set more would have smoothed out some of these other sequences. It doesn't really feel like it's oh because it didn't have Plutarch we couldn't get a better idea of coin yeah. being a secretly bad or Prim's thing would have been different. It, it just I think that just came down to editing. It, it, it's interesting because and I said this about Game of Thrones that like endings are hard. They're just mm-hmm. hard to do. But I I feel like when you cut that book into two movies, even having not read the book. And the first movie is so rich with like setup and discussion that you would think then the last one, you it's like, oh, we've saved time for all of that to really satisfyingly wrap up. And I, again, I don't think it did. It, I don't, I didn't dislike the movie at all. It's just, that's why I was kind of surprised by how glib some of that ending stuff felt. And it was like, but we, we've already taken our time. Like, why are we? I, I think my ideal movie of this that you cannot make from just what we have on on like just the footage we have i think you know it would have to be this was their plan from the beginning um i feel like you almost would have to do like an in-game type structure mm-hmm. where you've got three one-hour acts basically oh, sure. yeah and I, you do yeah. an hour of the of what's in part one you do an hour of the journey into the capital ultimately prim dying snow getting captured and everything and then you do an hour of like trying to grapple with the the aftermath of all of this yeah um and they have to go back in time to the previous hunger games yeah to get the weapons <laughs> to, to get, get the, uh, the cheap swords and lances the, from part one the, yeah they go back and they put a they put like a portal a time portal underneath the the hive the the crack yeah cracker jack the um <laughs> what, do, what do you call it try uh Tracker Jack. Tracker Jack. That's right. Okay, I guess it is a play on that. Uh, they they put a they put a portal under it, so it falls on President Snow uh, <laughs> through the portal. My one weakness. <laughs> Bees. <laughs> and then we get we ever we get that we get to see Peta versus Peta. We've all been wanting it, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, "I can do this all day, etc." Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> hey, Finnick Dare, I'll carry that for you, etc. That is Pan Am's butt. <laughs> <laughs> I, I talking of Peta, I do want to say I thought Josh Hutcherson was really good in this movie. Yeah, I think he did a really good job with his one red eye. Um, 
like that Rachel McAdams movie, which is I'm pretty sure what that movie's about. Um, I think that he did a, I mean, he, he I've liked him in, in this whole series. Mm-hmm. I think he just did a, he's a, just a really solid actor, but, uh, I really liked him in this movie, how he played uh, the, the mechanics of the performance, just of him displaying that he has false memories and he's not, He's not fully in control of himself, but he's also not sure how in control he is. I think he just sold all of that mechanically really effectively, but like emotionally, I thought it was really beautiful. I, this, I think, is until I rewatch the movies, I might say this is his best work in the in the franchise. I thought he just really, really sold it. Jeffrey Wright doesn't get enough to do, but he never does. Sure. <laughs> but I liked seeing him, and I liked that he survived. Yeah. yeah, this this movie really takes the approach of Jennifer Lawrence is center stage and nobody else is going to get enough to do. Yeah. Um, and I didn't quite feel that way about the previous films. But, mm-hmm. you know, Josh Hutcherson is good in the movie. I feel like Pete is barely in this thing. Sure. Well, and, and I certainly don't mind Katniss being the center, but it feels odd when you, we have gotten connected to these other characters. And I, I yeah. was genuinely surprised that Hamish survived the whole all four yeah. movies because he's Effie made it. Yeah. <laughs> She, I was still hoping she would just like kill a bunch of people out of nowhere. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, like uh, I feel like there's some Disney movie where like uh, one of the goofy sidekick character, oh oh Rafiki in Lion King, when he fights off a bunch of hyenas with his staff, and it's like a <laughs> it's like a, a, a martial arts thing. Like I was waiting for Effie to have that moment. <laughs> um, but like Hamish is the Obi Wan proxy, so it's like. Therefore, he dies, right? No, he does not in this, which is great. I like Hamish. Um, but uh, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Um, I think that because we have gotten to atta- attach these other characters, like especially with Finnick, he he didn't get to do a lot in this or in part one. So it's like well, we all still yeah. like Finnick, and now he's gone. But he died he, in he water, keeps, so he keeps getting random great scenes. Yeah, and then they kill him. In one, yeah. And it's like, well, all right. But I just, I, but he died in water. His one, the, the, the that which nurtured him and gave him his strength also took it uh-huh. away. You know, it it is interesting comparing it back to the first one and kind of one of the things that I actually liked about it as an adaptation is that we kind of took it out of the first person yeah. view of mm-hmm. it. You know, the books are all told through Katniss's perspective. And jumping to, oh, hey, we're, we're at the Capitol, we're with Snow, we're with Wes Bentley's character, who I cannot remember. Um, Simic you know, we, we, yes, uh, we, we keep jumping around our perspectives. And they do that a little bit in this movie, but I feel like, particularly towards the end, they're like, no, we're sticking with Katniss. This is her right. story. And, you know, even... It, who cares about catharsis for anything else? It's all, it's all about Katniss. It's all, it's all about that. And I feel like it's just not consistent. How did you guys feel about the way Snow was used? Um, I thought Sutherland was, of course, great. And I liked that the he, I felt, they were fairly consistent with him in terms of his saying, like, I don't kill with no purpose. You know, when he was talking to Katniss about revealing that Coin was the one who dropped the bombs and stuff, he's like, I don't waste resources. I I can't remember exactly the word he used. I think maybe he said, I'm not wasteful. But he was like, I wouldn't use those resources and kill those lives, take those lives for no reason. I only do that with a purpose. So why would I have done this? And um, I thought all that made sense. It was just weird to me that he died. This is like the mob tore him apart. Yeah. I guess, I guess it's because 
he's been oppressing Pan M, so Pan M then kills him. Um, I would have been fine if if it had been staged differently. And I might feel differently in the books, but if you know Katniss had had killed him, it wouldn't have been surprising. But I wouldn't have been upset with it, depending on how it was staged. Well, it's also weird because we start to set up this thing of Snow like he he is clearly finally like all his his poisonings and such they're all right. catching up with him and he's he's quite sick he keeps coughing on we keep seeing blood on napkins that he's coughing into um it seems like he's he's dying yeah and so you would think you know that would be the set up so that he could die right. after Katniss kills coin then then he dies in captivity or whatever uh but instead <laughs> yeah the, he gets swarmed by mob he does get a, a last laugh at when like when like he's he's losing his mind about how great it is that she shot coin instead right, of him right um which is fun but yeah then he just <laughs> he just gets i like how he gets trampled. a brutal hunger games death it is that is sure. true it's, yeah it's violent yeah and i i think that um oh i lost it never mind <laughs> it's gone like tears no, and rain i i think snow's used about as well as he can be yeah, <laughs> yeah. no i think he's a strong point of this film yeah, um, yeah, and it's one. Oh, this is what I was gonna say. He is not a villain in the way that like Voldemort or the Night King are. That those are also combatants. So to have them die in a fight makes sense. Yeah, but like it would be weird if suddenly he was like, "All right, Katniss, I propose a duel." <laughs> <laughs> it would your, be great, your, especially your, when he wins. Your bow and arrow <laughs> versus my double-sided battle axe. What? I mean, you know, he, he's got to go, I am all the peacekeepers, and he's shooting his lightning, and then she's <laughs> like, and I am all the districts, and then she, like, puts an arrow in his eye. And oh, I no. am all the Hunger Games. <laughs> I think you get his little title card that says, no. name, Coriolanus Snow, class, barbarian. <laughs> and he has, like, a staff that has an axe blade on both sides, and he's just going after her. No, Katniss, you don't understand. I am your grandfather. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Everdeen Katniss. You're a snow. <gasps> <laughs> What's your name? Katniss. Ka- or, or, yeah, never mind. There you know be, what's. There wasn't a good way to do that. Oh, I was going to say Katniss. Katniss Hunger Games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you Lord. know what's great about this series? They don't have any stupid name reveals or relationship reveals. You know? No, they, the names are kind of silly, but that's about it. The but, names but are reveals, silly, though. Yeah, right, But right. they don't change. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, boy. Seriously, if they had some reveal of, like, oh, the, PETA was secretly uh, President Snow's grandson <laughs> the whole time. Or, I, I just appreciate... As rough as some of the choices that that this movie and, and the last book, as 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 rough as some of the choices are and as cynical as they are, I don't feel like they're out and out stupid. No, sure, no, no, no. What? So yeah, I give it points for that. It's not like at the end when they're like with uh, their children and Katniss is like, "I named you after the bravest people I ever knew." Finnick Threshru. <laughs> Snow. No. Ah! <laughs> no. Um, yeah, and then she turns. She's got cat size, and you're like, "No, thriller." Um, I uh, I actually wanted to ask about that. How did y'all feel about the the little capping epilogue with the two of them with kids? Because 
Yeah. I'm of two minds about it. And I'll go ahead and say how I feel. Um, cause one, it, it is very clearly kind of the same thing as the, uh, the Harry Potter thing. I don't think it actually, when did we decide the third Hunger Games came out? I think it might've been before Deathly Hallows actually. I will look. I think it was like, no, not, not before the Deathly Hallows. Oh, I'm dumb. I'm thinking of Deathly Hallows, the movie. Sorry. It's like 16 Um, or 17, I think. The, uh, 1916. No, it would have been before that. Oh, 1816. Excuse me. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, 2010. Right. And then the, the last Harry Potter book was 2007. Okay. Anyway. Um, it feels very similar to that, where it's like, uh, I guess our satisfying end is they live happily ever after, even though they kind of went through a bunch of crap. However, I will say, unlike the uh, unlike Deathly Hallows Part Two, which is a worse film than this, um, <laughs> yes. definitively, I will say, uh, th- it does end with like the scene looks pleasant. Yeah. And the actors aren't weirdly aged <laughs> and they they've added color back in as as like kind of a visual cue that like, OK, things were a little bleak. We were around the Capitol. Things are gross. And, and there's a lot of destruction and death and, and everything's been kind of grayed out. Now they've started to find life again. And here's a, a nice, pleasant, sunny afternoon. Uh, they they at least did that because that was a huge complaint we had about Deathly House Part Two is that the the movie just continues to be gray when it's supposed to be like oh hey this is the happy ending yeah um I... John Williams magical score is playing and everyone's just like pale <laughs> do, 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 do. mushy games <laughs> I th- I felt that uh. I, in terms of event, I was perfectly happy with it. I remember I, I said in one of the earlier episodes that, like, I just want Katniss to be able to rest after all mm-hmm. this. I just want her to get a break. And she, I, I really liked that speech she gives to the uh, guy who tries to kill her towards the beginning of the movie about, like, go ahead. You don't have a reason not to shoot me. I'm tired of being one of yeah. Snow's pawns. You know, I just, I, I, I don't care. Like, I just want this to be done. Um, I like that really nicely. Um, there's a little strain of the political thing mm-hmm. left over but but i think that in this the only if i had an issue with it i think it was just because i had spent the last few scenes being like this is i feel like this is thinner than what i want it to yeah. be or a little not it's not hollow but just a little there's a little too much air in the, i don't know it, it, it's a little thinner yeah. than i wanted and so by that it, scene i was like i don't think this scene itself is thin it's just with a lot of thin scenes for me it feels like the Cliff's Notes version mm-hmm. of the last half there's, of the book, as, as a, opposed to yeah. the actual what happens in the last half. That of the is book. having not read the books. That sounds like a very good way to put it. But I, I, I think that that scene, because that scene actually does feel like th- this is all the information you really do need. That she and Peta got together, and they had these children that are apparently Jennifer Lawrence's nephews, and everything is okay you know and i kind of like that the last line is there are worse games to play because it's both like and we don't have to do that anymore like there are work we we are going to be okay because there are much worse things and those things are behind us but it also is kind of like what (laughs) like it's a little spooky and a little like uh katniss that's kind of a dark thing to say because that's what this series is and you know because katniss is going to reinstate the hunger games exactly there are worse in district 12 baby and you will your brother over there and uh, 
And now Prim's cat is going to have to shoot her with an arrow. <laughs> That's what the, just off screen you see the cat like, <laughs> which one do I shoot? Who's the real Katniss? <laughs> and Peta starts laughing his head off and just like a mob of other cats just show up to destroy him. <laughs> Led by Tigress. Alex, say what you think about the ending, full, and then I'm going to talk about circle. Tigress. Yes, I, I do have in my notes Cat Lady. Um, so <laughs> I, I I do overall appreciate the ending. Um, once again, I don't think PETA has enough in this movie, and I know that this is the fourth movie. We've had plenty of time to uh, kind of establish the relationship between him and Katniss, but I still didn't feel a whole lot at the end when they I get mean, together and they have kids. And I think part of it is going back to I can't, did I have this complaint in Catching Fire that I feel like both Gail and Peta are both undercharacterized yeah. in, in terms of they're only established within their relationship to Katniss and not mm-hmm. like with their relationships with their families or like what their lives are like outside of Katniss. Um, yeah, Peta like... learns his family dies in this, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In like a random scene and then that it kind of just... We kind of yeah. just move on. I mean, he's clearly sad, but he's got many things to be sad about. So right. we, he's not specifically sad about that, as far as yeah. we can tell. And I, I don't know. A lot of that, Britain, I'll, I'll use the word that you didn't want to use. It felt very hollow to me because um, it felt like they didn't stick the landing. Could have could have kept going with it and nailed it. And they, they didn't. They skimped out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I do like the ending in theory. And I'll go ahead and spoil that line, there are worse games to play, is the final line of the book. Okay. Um, yeah. And that has always stuck with me. That's a very haunting... Oh, sure. Haunting is I don't, the word I mean. I don't yeah. know if it's supposed to be a good thing or a bad thing kind of line. And I, yeah. I I like that. And I think that that feeds into the overall nuance of what, what these, you know, what the story is trying to say about power and what happens when people get that power. Um, but yeah, overall, I like the ending, but... In theory. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, I... She lives in a shopping mall and she's a cat? Mm-hmm. Is the thing about her? So here's the thing. I'm, I'm obviously overplaying all this for comedy. But no, so... so but this... The, it really did kind tell. of confuse me. Because I, I understand that, you know, in the books you have a lot more storylines with the Avoxes and other sorts of denizens of the world and qualities of the world that they kind of allude to in the movies, but they just can't go into them as much because of just time. Yeah. But that was like this moment where she has like her face is made up and all this plastic surgery and she's got whiskers implanted and all this other stuff. There was a YouTube video about a guy who did this to himself in like the nineties or something. It was terrifying. He's a real person who deserves happiness. I'm just saying it was it was terrifying. Is <laughs> not the right word. It was it was a, a very visceral uh, thing to say. But um, yeah. So I'm I'm sorry that it was terrifying as a human being. But <laughs> the 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 it, she Katniss recognizes this woman. She goes, "I know you. You were a stylist during the Hunger Games." Like and she goes, "Yes." Until President Snow didn't think I was beautiful enough, and that's all that it is. And I'm like, right. So you turned into a cat. <laughs> Or was she already a cat? Uh, well, everybody did, wants to be a cat. Or did Snow <laughs> turn her into a cat? You know, cats are just like us. <laughs> They're sinners. Um, <laughs> yeah, it, it, and it's just, it was, this, it was this moment where I was like, maybe 
I genuinely was like, in the book, is there like a culture of people who just take furries and all that to the fullest extent? Are there people walking around with like scales they've glued to themselves? Like what what's going they, on? They here? they do explore that in the books about okay. you know, people okay, people cool. do all sorts of physical enhancements. It's not just we dress up wacky and we overeat and then sure. vomit it so we can eat more. Okay. Um there's a lot more to it. And I, I, I don't know if this is just a byproduct of well, the first one was made for not all that much money. Sure. Right. Right. So we didn't have the opportunity to set that up and really go with the extravagance of it all. But then you get to this one, and it's like, well, you didn't see that. that I think so that was really just, more of It comes thing. out of left field. It's just like, oh, this is a weird image that I don't I, – I have not been prepared for this. Well, I, I feel like that would have been a perfect opportunity to to deviate from the book and, and replace it with another character. Like I was thinking maybe Stanley Tucci's character. Oh. Yeah. And having it be like – Oh, there was more nuance to him. He actually wanted to help them, and you know, he he was held basically at gunpoint to to keep you know doing the propaganda for Snow, or you know, something like that. Or maybe um, I can't remember who who is who is Caesar's like the the other guy, yeah, the actor C- Cornelius or something. Yeah, Toby Jones. Toby Jones's character, yes, um, because he's missing from <laughs> yeah. this movie and the last one. Use him. Um, yeah. bring that character back and be like, oh, he, he, he's not going along with any of this. So he's kind of just quietly just stepped away from the spotlight and now yeah. he's willing to help them. And that would explain why he knows Natalie Dormer's character. If he's always, you know, on, on camera and, and doing oh, all sorts yeah. of publicity and stuff. Like there's a natural way to do that without bringing in a cat lady. It also says something about how this movie sets things up that when, Katniss wakes up on the bed for the fourth time or whatever after Prim is killed. I was like, is that her mom tending to her? So is Prim actually dead? Yeah. <laughs> is that her mom? Because she doesn't seem very sad. I mean, she seems kind of like, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> like, It really know. does cement some of the flaws that were present in the other movies yeah. involving Katniss's relationships to her friends and family. Yeah. Um, like, Prim's barely in this, and you know, <laughs> like you said, Britain is. It's like, did she even die? What's yeah. cement that? And, and a little some bit? of that may just come from me not paying attention enough. That I, I you know. no, it's, enough, it's it's done. It's not executed <laughs> the best. Funnily enough, I think I actually remember, and it may have just been wishful thinking. I think I remember having that reaction to the book, huh? Um, when I read it the first time, and like, or the only time, and being convinced that wasn't the case until eventually I was like, oh, this is totally just where they're going with this. Okay, well. I also noticed, so so when uh, they bring all the victors of the various Hunger Games to vote, because that means you're a political leader now. And so I it's like Katniss and Beatty and Peta and everybody. I was going to say, I feel like the idea was that she was calling them because she wanted to reinstate oh, right, Hunger right, Games. Right. I think that's specifically yeah. why that group yeah, is. That, that yeah. makes sense now. But the um, Inabaria, is that her name? The one who filed her teeth into sharper teeth she was there and i was like who's that lady oh that's who that lady is because it really would have been like yes and i also won the hunger games you're just now meeting me <laughs> but then i realized like oh right she was in the previous or she was in catching fire they and i think she had been like captured or something and they rescued but she never really talked about it like sure how did you guys feel about joanna in this because I she, she is someone who there. should be in more of it because she she seems like at the beginning she 
she shows up and she's kind of being antagonistic towards Jennifer Lawrence. Jennifer yeah. Lawrence is feeling uh, down in the dumps and apathetic and wanting to kill Snow. And Joanna encourages Katniss to, to do it. Uh, but then she just like, I don't, do we see her again at all? I mean, she's at the, she she's votes. at the, the, voting, she's at the yeah. vote. Okay. Yeah, she's at the wedding. So like, oh, right, gonna... she, she, she is the first one to be like, that's crap. <laughs> when, yeah. uh, coin says she wants to do the hunger games again. But then I think she actually votes yes for the hunger games. Okay. Um, cause I think what ended up happening was, I can't remember what Inabaria does, but I know PETA and BD are, are both like. No, our names kind of rhyme, so we both say no. Because um, Peter's is straight up like, that's a crazy idea. We're not going to do that. And BD's like, no, and here's this logical reason where we shouldn't do it. Um, and I was like, my man. And then <laughs> Katniss obviously immediately formulates a plan and says yes. And then Hamish is like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm with the Mockingjay. <laughs> um, oh, and then Maggie said no. Maggie was like, that's this. The, why? <laughs> I do. We do get the letter from her. I wish we got a, a little more time with Maggie as mm-hmm. well. Um, but it's nice to know that sh- her and Finnick's son is good and that they're good. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. When, when I I was watching it this time, I was I was thinking, if you're a person who has not read the books and you're just watching all these movies for the first time and not even like repeated, like you you're seeing each of them in the theater, yeah. so they're spread out by a year, you're not gonna remember who she is. Yeah. And it really is one of those those problems where it's like there are so many characters in this story. If you're going to do the film this way, you got to restructure it. You got to get more of these characters together, replace half of the soldiers in their little platoon squad with Jenna Malone's character or Maggie or get get Prim in there. Like set mm-hmm. that up, like have group these people together more. That way you actually get some catharsis when they they show up. <laughs> and, I, and I always have a mix, going back to what you were saying, Tyler, about like Walking Dead and having these like sort of ancillary characters that are just fodder. I always feel two ways about it. Because on the one hand, I go, well, this way we got to have that hat. We got to have that tension sure. and see that. And I didn't have to lose the person I like or care about. But then it also does feel like, I mean, it's, it's the Star Trek red shirt thing. Like, oh, they're there to set the stakes. They're there to just die so we can get a death. We can, it's bleak. We see this cool trap that they made or this crazy monster, but not at the expense of any of our characters, which depending on the story you're telling can, can be fine because those characters, you have something much more important, like X character in Walking Dead has to, you know, has a much more impactful death later, or, you know, they're just going to be so necessary to the story. But in this one, I feel like they're, they were clearly willing to expend certain characters and i'm not i I don't know if there's anybody who lived in this that i wish wish had died i don't think that happened but like you i don't don't know i I feel like you have this and and i remember reading the seventh harry potter book and feeling like she was killing too many characters randomly that there was too much just like "Ah, people die and it felt it felt a little too glib whereas in this i almost wish more characters yeah. we knew had died because we were so used to that happening in the in the story right but then i don't want to be bloodthirsty about it so i don't know i had there's a weird medium and maybe it just comes down to how you tell it less than how many people die you know in, in a story like this yeah um the only other thing i really wanted to talk about was I feel like the movie really has to stretch more to 
keep the the crew infiltrating the capital informed about what's going on. Um, yeah. th- there's there's a little more like convenience in terms of you know the, they'll be somewhere on a TV. We'll turn on right. and specifically show it, and it's like I get that that's supposed to be propaganda, and so that's why like the capital yeah. wants that to be on every TV. Um, but I was there were a few times where it's like the way they're getting information here, or the way that they are, uh, really just continuing to try to keep the audience aware of how people are feeling and how the capital's feeling and how the revolution people are feeling. It it was it was really stretching thin <laughs> at sure. times. Um, yeah, and I I feel like we do lose kind of an element of the the propaganda stuff in this one just because it, it's so much less like I don't know it th- things get so much more literal in terms of what's happening instead yeah. of uh trying to you know get people to follow a certain movement um. I don't know. I, I feel like there's a lot of vestigial stuff from the the part from part one that they try to carry through, and even from the earlier ones that they try to carry through into the in, the infiltration of the capital, um, that don't really mesh with what's happening there. I don't know. I got I got that did not help my vibes of like getting towards the end of that and being like, oh god, there's another hour left. <laughs> um, I, I had a similar reaction to the 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 volume of TVs, just how many. Yeah. There were, and, and the way I sort of explained it in my head, and I think it's just a world building thing in a movie versus a book, is that, well, if the capital is oppressing people and using propaganda year round, they would want to constantly, like, well, everywhere you are, we can reach you, and everywhere you are, mm-hmm. we're watching you, or we're gonna, we're gonna get our message to you no matter what, even if it's just popping out of a toaster or something, um, which would be pretty funny if a toaster popped up <laughs> and it was a message from Snow, um, but. Uh, I also felt like, yeah, the Propo stuff was so interesting in the last movie, and and they keep it a little bit in this one. I was, I think it's just from a a, a lifetime of watching science fiction and fantasy stories that, and reading them as well. That that Mahershala has this device called the Hollow that mm-hmm. is what use he uses to like detect the the pods that the different types of Hunger Games style killing devices they have. But every single time I thought they meant like a movie. Every time they said hollow, I was like, oh, like a hologram. Like that's what they're watching. They're going to watch it on the hollow. Oh, they got this <laughs> hollow film. And every single time I was like, no, it's the, that's not what that means at this time. <laughs> the one time, you no, know, hollow means detector. It doesn't mean movie. Every single time. Uh, but hey, I'm, I'm just a silly, I'm just kind of, I, I, I like to geek out, you know? I like to put on my nerd glasses sometimes and, and just really like talk about Marvel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not the character from the Hunger Games movies. Sure. <laughs> uh, the last thing I wanted to touch on was just, this is the first time that I felt that the score was not very good. Um, mm-hmm. I found it very overbearing and distracting, particularly during a lot of the action scenes. It felt very overdone. Um, and I think that going for a quieter approach, which I feel like at least the first movie did, and I don't, I can't quite remember if it carries through to the other ones, but it felt like we had taken like a big step in terms of, oh, this, this needs to be yeah all over the place. Um, 
and yep. and it, it didn't feel super subtle it felt very kind of generic action movie like in your face and i found that kind of annoying well i loved the score in the first one because it felt so low down and and yeah. folkish and like it was coming up out of the mountains and stuff i, I, I like that a lot um it would have been cool if they'd used hanging tree they i was actually gonna say i i only really noticed the score a couple of times um and they they call back to that uh melody mm. when they're walking into the capital oh, i think okay. maybe for the first time like when they first show them you know really marching on the streets um they do actually call back to that that theme okay. um and then also they use i believe they use the hunger games uh canon announcement theme, not canon but like right right the the hunger games death announcement uh jingle yeah, they use it when the coin is lying about Katniss and all of them dying, which I thought that yeah. was a neat little throwback. They're they're throwing up their faces the way they did in the games. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought was was nice. Um, yeah, I I feel like the last thing I will will say in summation is that I, I feel like this movie. I struggled more with these movies, and maybe the movies have struggled more after it left the Hunger Games stories. Um, yeah. yeah. And a lot of that, I think, is just down to structure. The The first two movies, they they provide such a clear template of what the events are and kind of how to segment the movies. And, you know, these are these are harder, and they're trying to make these big uh, epics out of them. And in many ways, that is an epic story, but it, but it's not epic in the traditional sense for movies like this. Um, so I get it, it, that it's hard, but I, I feel like this is maybe the weakest one for me. Yeah, it is. But... And it's not like this massive step down, but like the first Hunger Games is my favorite of, of these four movies. And then I think it's just been, well, I would say Catching Fire and Part One are probably on the same level. They've just, they're just in very different ways. Um, like I love the first one of these movies. I, I thought it was just tremendous. Uh, but this one, I, I, I think it's a mixture of me going, oh, maybe I just connected more with the world than those early, the early version of the story. But it's also, I think, that this is where it got clumsy. Um, yes. It's easy to get clumsy when you're, you know, trying so hard to satisfy to so many elements of a, of a story. Like, I, I get that it's hard. So, like, we have, we have seen much worse endings to franchises before. Yes. There are much worse movies to watch. <laughs> and with that, what are we grading it? Um, I'll go first. Uh, the conversation has actually brought down my, my feelings on, on the movie. I think uh, primarily because of the realization that, oh yeah, blowing up Prim in that context, not sure if that makes sense. I'm giving it a C+, plus, <laughs> which is one step below what I gave part one. So it's it's not that far off. That's still an overall positive review, but it's, it, yeah, it's, it's very clunky and yeah, it, it's... I have a feeling when I go back and reread the books that I'm going to read the third book and be like, yeah, it's all there. They just didn't adapt sure. it properly. Um, they didn't structure it properly. The first one felt like it was dragging in places. And then this one feels like it's rushing and we don't have any time to spend with the characters and actually have some catharsis at the end of this thing. So yeah, C plus Tyler, what are you doing? I think I'm also going to go C plus. I, I was right between that and B minus and kind of bouncing back and forth for the last half an hour. Um, but I'm gonna go with that. I, I think overall, I would say I I wasn't as much of a fan, which is a shame because I really, really enjoyed 
the first few of these. And I think yeah. each one of those still works very well on its own as a film. But I just I, I don't know if this ties them all up together sure. in a satisfying way. I, I would agree. I'm I am gonna go B minus, erring on the side of I will rewatch this movie and quite possibly like it more. Mm. Not that I will love it, but just that my, I'll, you know, be a little more prepared for what it is. So I want to err on that optimistic side. But I do want to say, like, this franchise really snuck up on me. I was not expecting to like it as a whole as much as I ended up liking it. Because sure. I remember watching the first one in theaters and, and, and liking it. But coming back to it now 10 years later and going, oh, like, there's so much about this that I think isn't just, yeah, that's pretty good. But is, I think, genuinely well done. And that other... YA movies and other movies should should like take notes on on stuff that these movies do well. I, I it's rare that I we, we do a franchise that I haven't seen and I come away from it being like, oh, I think I want to like own that. Like I want to. Mm -hmm. This is like I I want to learn more about this world and explore more of it. And and this totally did that to me. I thought they were just really really uh, cool movies overall. <laughs> um. And talking about something that's cool overall, uh, it's recommendations time. That's right. Um, everyone's third favorite segment of the podcast. Um, <laughs> the the favorite is, of course, Tyler's uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews. And the second favorite is Alex's cooking segment. Hey, good cooking. Um, that's from Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Co copyright Lauren Burchard. No, um, I... <laughs> This will probably not come as a surprise to our listeners as much as it surprises me, but my recommendation this week is In the Heights, the film adaptation. Hey, uh, when... I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on with you there because I was uh, also going to recommend In the Heights. Oh, good! I finally watched an actual movie in between the other movies that we review on this podcast. I was all geared up to not. I was like, I'm just gonna talk about the TV shows I've watched and just tell everybody mm -hmm. to watch Homeland and Invincible, uh, and Lucifer. But I still did that. But but then uh, the other night I was like, let's do it. Let's pull the trigger. So In the Heights, you know, uh, premiered in 2009. And this is one of those shows that like it lives so deep inside me. I listened to that album 400 times at least. I mean, I have just, my sister is so sick of it. I'm sure the amount of times we had to listen to it on car trips and stuff. Like I love this show and as such was so nervous about the movie. Um Take all of my sticklerness about musicals, add in a deep love for the source material, and you have <laughs> you have me. But uh, I've been hearing good things, and so I started watching it. I definitely, it is so hard for me to separate it and go, how would I feel about this movie if I didn't know the source material at all? Because it makes a lot of choices I was really iffy on. It cuts several songs, one of which is my favorite from the show. Um, it rearranges things, it moves things around such, such that I was like, Okay, so there's a lot of iffy points throughout it, but the spirit is completely alive. It's so vibrant. The performances are so good. Mm -hmm. Like, so many people are so great in this. Highlights for me were, of course, Anthony Ramos as Usnavi. Yes. He's, it's a great performance. He's like, wonderful. not just regular performance, not even talking about the music. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, no, he's wonderful in it. Uh, Jimmy Smits is great. <laughs> um, I always enjoy Jimmy Smits. And Corey Hawkins, who we lamented not getting to do enough in the MonsterVerse movies, is so wonderful in it. Um, Melissa Barrera, Olga Meredith, who plays Abuela Claudia, originated the role on Broadway, so I'm so happy that she's still getting to play that character. She plays so beautifully. Um, 
I absolutely recommend people to listen to the original Broadway cast because just because it's great, like not even in terms of preparing for the movie, just like listen to it because it's so beautiful and incredibly moving and powerful. In a lot of ways, I actually am personally more attached to In the Heights than Hamilton. Hmm. Um, but that's also because, you know, <laughs> In the Heights has like seven or eight years on. Yeah. I've spent that much more time with it. It looks beautiful. It's shot really lovely. Of course, I, I could go on about editing and dance numbers and stuff, but the dance numbers are really good. There's a lot of great numbers. I still got the incredible adrenaline from 96,000 that I get from the the, the Broadway cast. Uh, I, I could go on and on and on about it. It's a really great adaptation of a really spectacular show. Uh, it's on HBO Max through July 11th, but go see it in a theater, like, if you can. I saw it on HBO, but, like, take that in, man. It is big and beautiful. Take that train to the top of the world. I, I, and also, uh, be on the lookout, Hamilton cameo, um, mm-hmm. as well as... Not really a cameo cameo, but there's an actor from Hades Town in that movie, and that made me happy. <laughs> who? I'm going um, to make you spoil that, because I did not the, know. The guy who Abuela Claudia tries to sell the, the towels to, uh, Pike mm. something, and then uh, later Jimmy Smith makes a deal with him. Um, he's only had two scenes. He was Hades in Hades Town. Huh. Yeah, Patrick Page. Fascinating. Yeah, I was okay. like, no! Ah, oh, that's who that is. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's great. Coming, Tyler, you coming at it from uh, the angle of not being familiar with, I actually had never listened to the the soundtrack, which is probably surprising because I like I had a while there where I was just listening yeah. to every like musical soundtrack that I had even mild interest in. Um, but for whatever reason, I avoided. I think because I, I did listen to it after, and it's it's definitely not sing through as a musical, right? No, no, no. It, it's a dialogue heavy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it's not Hamilton. It, and that was kind of what turned me off of it. I was like, eh, you know, I, I want to hold off until, you know, I can find a recording of it or whatever. And I think probably around that time I had heard they were making a movie and I was like, well, I'll wait and see how that turns sure. out. Um, as a movie, I think it's it's great. It's yeah. it's really well directed. Um, the yeah, it's just it's just super dynamic. Like, it's very fun to watch things happen. Yeah. Um, and I really like the the kind of foundation of the story, which is just showing all these stories of, of all these people in a community that is feels like it's pulling apart because of, you know, gentrification, uh yeah. the modern world, <laughs> like just everything is pressuring it to have all its people splinter yeah. and go off and do their own thing and and um kind of abandon it in a sense and and it's about them dealing with that and trying to figure out if they if there's a way to save it um in a kind of not save it in a like oh we have three days to raise enough money to save the heights but save (laughs) it in a blair's coming home for christmas (laughs) we gotta rally the neighbors (laughs) in the cranks um (laughs) in the cranks uh, we get our frosty on the roof. We get our <laughs> frosty and get the cake. There's no cake in that movie. How much better would Christmas in the crate with the cranks have been if it were a musical? Uh, probably yeah. at least a little better. Yeah, Tyler, <laughs> Alex, what are you saying? Uh, it, I'm it thinking like a C minus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it is. Uh, yeah, it's about them trying to like save the heart of this. Yeah. And, and figure yeah. out you know what what they're going to do to to um live up to it in their own lives uh and i i did notice there's some weird 
structural issues i get like it i feel like sometimes it, it it's not even in the way that it kind yeah. of progresses the story and the, that the characters um move through it and and following them exactly but also so so much of the music is so strong and comes across so well that you still get a full a full kind of picture of what they meet or what they're about and what they're you know trying to accomplish and everything like it, it i don't think anything's really lost in the emotion of it yeah um and yeah i really enjoyed it i also i i love the fact that lin-manuel miranda uh is who is was the original um uznavi yeah is now uh kind of a more of a side character uh and he has a beard which yeah. is like sure why not it's right. it's it's yeah. post-pandemic follow your dreams <laughs> oh there like there's a in the beginning of the movie he talks to anthony ramos who's playing this navi and it's a it's just a line in the play as well where he's like Yes, thank you, Senor Usnavi, or something. But seeing Lynn look at him mm-hmm. and call him Usnavi is very moving, especially because that's also his son from Hamilton. <laughs> like, it's a it, it's a fun little thing. And the more that yeah. I get into musicals, the more I realize, Britain, where your affinity for like actor like connections yeah. <laughs> comes from. Because there's there's so many fun things that they do that happens when you have musicals and the way that they are set up, and that like multiple people can play the same character, right, right, in a short amount of time, and like. Yeah, it, for sure. That's a that's a fun layer, and yes, the Hamilton cameo in it is also wonderful. The, did you get that post? Uh, did you see that post credit scene? Yes. yes. Oh, I was uh, so happy about that. Yeah, it it there are definitely some structural choices. I I think I like more in the play, but the movie the movie does not sacrifice the spirit of the show at all, and it also didn't. You could tell that they were like, let's cast really talented people. Like, there's not any big like superstars in it. You know, I mean, Jimmy Smith and Lynn are the biggest names in the cast right? Mm-hmm. as of as of this recording, because um, hopefully Anthony Ramos will continue to blow up. Sure. Um, but it's uh, yeah, everyone in it is just so strong. And it's just like even after I finished watching, I was like, I'm going to go back and watch that one number again. <laughs> like, I got to I got to just get back in this in this neighborhood. It's a really beautiful thing. Alex, <laughs> do you have anything? Uh, so you're telling me with that post credit scene, it's setting up the uh, musical cinematic universe <laughs> with the upcoming West Side Story remake, right? Apparently yeah. they did film like within blocks of each other. That's that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I I continued watching The Wire and nice. finished Daredevil season one. <laughs> so, there you go. Nice. Yeah. I so also stories uh, about New York. Yep. There, yeah. Very much. Yeah. Well, one's New York, the other's Baltimore. Um. <laughs> <laughs> the New York of Maryland. <laughs> uh, uh, quick update. I, I, I quote unquote finished the project of opening up my Xbox to try and fix the disk drive. Um, n- n- no luck. Um, don't ever open your video game console. You do not <laughs> n- want to know what's built up in there. Um, I cleaned it, but uh, it's it's still not working. The disk drive does play DVDs, which I'm okay. confused by. So it doesn't play actual games or Blu-rays, but it'll do DVDs just. Have fine. you tried? Have you tried 4K? We tried <laughs> to see if maybe it upgraded uh, the, the AI. Yeah. Have you? Did you call the, the old man from Toy Story 2 to come in and do a very precise <laughs> touch-up cleaning? Can't rush art. <laughs> exactly. Maybe I should try some like PlayStation 5 games. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that'll yeah. do the trick. Yeah, play that uh, uh, Horizon sequel that I'm... Put some Rock Band 10, whatever they're on, if that uh, series still exists. I'll put that in there. Um, 
but yeah, just just wanted to, to I, I addressed that last week. So, uh, yep, no dice, uh, no no change to the status quo. So I watched more of The Wire. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am in the middle of season four, and there's five seasons, so oh, I have wow, made a lot yeah. of progress. Yeah, you're torching through that. <laughs> Man. And it's still really good. <laughs> Bunk still doing his thing. Um, Smoking his cigars. God, so many yep. good actors on that show. It's kind of, it should be illegal <laughs> to have that many good actors. I am, um, I've only seen a, a little bit of that show. My mom has watched all of it. She loves it. We're big Andre Royo fans who plays Bubbles. Mm-hmm. Oh boy, what a talent. Great actor. Well, it's funny seeing different connections with, with, uh, other things when it's not like they've blown up with their careers or anything, but the actor who plays bubbles, he's in the Luke Cage show. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, these certain, you know, uh, character actors, I guess I, yeah. I recognize yeah, yeah. different things. Well, a bunch of those guys went over to walking dead or a couple yeah. of them did anyway. And like, like Tyrese and uh, Gabriel. Bob. The, uh, I can't remember his name in, in fan four stick, but the, the father of, uh, uh, Johnny storm, um, who I think is in, uh, house of cards. He's also, um, he works for Littlefinger in the wire. And I'm just <laughs> oh, like, wow. my, uh, my brain just can't handle all the people I recognize, man. <laughs> yeah. Clark Peters in there making his dollhouses. Love that guy. Yes. Yeah. It's a yes. good TV show. I gotta, I gotta get back on it. Um, I was reminded that the Americans exists the other day, and I was like, oh, man, yeah. now I got to watch the Americans. <laughs> I, I stopped in the middle of, like, season three. Yeah. We did, I should say. I watched it with a friend of the podcast and also my wife, Alex. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's real good, and I just, like, we stopped for no sure. particular reason. So, at, yeah. so, at some point, I'm going to be jumping back and forth between the Americans and Alias. <laughs> I'm going to be like, I <laughs> want my crate... I want my crazy popcorn J.J. Abrams spy show with Jennifer Garner, and then I want my serious, gritty, <laughs> like, period piece spy show. Yeah. I, I just hopping back and forth. <laughs> Victor Garber, Margot Martindale. <laughs> Let's do it. Ah, Best stuff. of both worlds. So we've we've closed the book on another franchise, another one, uh, another case solved. Another um. one bites the dust. <laughs> Do we want to announce what we're doing for our next little little group, fellas, or shall it be a surprise? Surprise. <laughs> Maybe surprise. Okay. Maybe. We'll, we'll have to explain a little bit what we're doing yeah. on the next episode, but uh, I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be interesting. It'll, it, it'll be not new, new for me, but fairly new. Um, so yeah, watch this space. And Tyler, what is this space? Where can they find us? Uh, space is the Milky Way <gasps> galaxy. Uh, wow look up into the stars that's the part of space we are in it's us who are those three stars on orion's belt it's us <laughs> uh, i wish i could think off the top of my head what myths are associated with him so i could try and make up a joke out of that and i'm sad uh you can find us online uh on here come the sequels.blogspot.com you can find us on twitter at ht sequels you can email us at here come the sequels at gmail.com we're on spotify soundcloud uh iTunes, Orion's Belt, all all around. The sequels are all around you. All you, you can't escape them, no matter how hard <laughs> you try. I've been Alex. I've been Tyler. I've been Britain. And Orion, his life ended when he stepped on a scorpion, and then the gods felt bad for him, so they let him and his dogs live in the sky. 
So I and, am. And if I that's think, not if that's not the story of this podcast, truly, truly, I don't know which one of us is Orion and which two are Canis Major and Canis Major Minor. The the dogs are definitely the uh, the dogs from the Airbud spinoff. <laughs> little little puppies they are they are and the scorpion is zach snyder i've been (laughs) written and we love you zach no shade buddy uh you seem like a cool dude hey and zach you and all of our listeners out there are having a great night